You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here you all on this Thursday, back from a short Mardi Gras break and into the swing of things. And we've got a lot to cover into today's show. The game was Tuesday night, but I want to talk a little bit about Zion Williamson against the Los Angeles Lakers, how good he looked offensively, maybe more importantly, how good he looked defensively. He was very impressive in this one in what is probably his best defensive game as pro and I'd like to talk about that. We've got some news on Nikhil Alexander-Walker who's going to be spending some time with the G League. Give you guys a little bit more info about that. And then let's talk about the Pelicans defense and how it's fared against some of the better offenses in the NBA which I think is kind of interesting to look at. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the Laker game Tuesday night, Mardi Gras night, and you know if you if you did not stay up to watch this one, no one really blames you on it. And we're not going to recap the game. I think you all know by now what happened. It was a 118-109 win for the Los Angeles Lakers, a game where this was close until the final kind of minute or two when LA was able to close it out and beat the Pelicans. But the Pelicans, being down by double digits a couple of different times, managed to rally and storm back to keep it close and even retake the leads at one point. So overall a very good performance from the team. Brandon Ingram was excellent in this one, and so was Zion Williamson. He finished with 29 points on the night, six rebounds, including four defensive, which I think is very good for him. Three assists, three turnovers. He's also had a steal. Got to the line 19 times, making 13 of them. Those 29 points came on 8 of 18 shooting, which is one of his worst performances as a pro in terms of shooting percentage. And this is a matchup that I thought is kind of interesting, from, uh, both offensively and defensively for him. Uh, length, we've seen, particularly from that Bucks game, really does bother Zion Williamson. Against the right player, he can do it one-on-one, but when you can throw multiple bodies, at him, he does struggle a little bit, particularly when those are all kind of long. And you see it from the Los Angeles Lakers where they have a lot of length. You've got LeBron James there. You've got Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee as well, and a couple of others who have exceptionally long arms and can make his life a little bit more difficult than other teams can. Now, this Lakers defense isn't up to the levels of the Bucks defense. They don't have length. It literally like every player position on the team. Um, but... I think that is kind of where you saw if this does end up being a potential playoff matchup, that there might be a bit of a recipe on how to slow Zion Williamson down. But he still managed to get 29 points and get to the line 19 times. And if you can convert that at close to 70%, you'll feel pretty good. And ultimately, that's kind of what matters. But Zion, against certain things, we have matchup data with this, and it kind of matches up a lot with what you saw from the eye test, did pretty well overall in this one. Against Dwight Howard, which was probably the biggest problem he had, where they were matched up about 60% of the time that Zion was out there on the court, uh, he was held to one of four shooting, and these numbers aren't exact, and the tracking data is a little bit off, 
um, and wonky at times, but it does give you a general idea of what's going on there. He managed to draw three shooting fouls and go to the line six times against Dwight Howard, but overall did struggle, and Dwight is still an excellent defender. Length there, who's agile enough to kind of handle him. And given the way that the Lakers' defense worked, they forced Zion into kind of a lot of one-on-one possessions where he's trying to drive and play iso ball, which isn't the best style of play for him. And then when he's kind of being funneled that way into Dwight Howard, it does create a bit of an issue. So that's where he struggled in this one. But the three shooting fouls are pretty good, and it shows that he can kind of still win these matchups, even if they're matchups that do give him trouble. Anthony Davis is who he spent the other majority of his time on, closer to 40% doing some heavy rounding here. Um, And he went three of six against Anthony Davis, so 50%, including um, drawing two shooting fouls. And you could see that the Lakers did not want to keep Anthony Davis on Zion Williamson because they were worried about AD getting in foul trouble. Zion went around him, threw him however he needed to score, and did an exceptionally great job against Anthony Davis, who is, you know, a, a guy who could have multiple defensive player of the year awards to his honor and Zion just kind of did what he wanted it was impressive and then on the flip side of everything is when I think it was even more impressive this game was probably the best defensive game we've seen from Zion Williamson he was matched up one-on-one with Anthony Davis on a whole bunch uh, of the night the majority of his time defensively was spent guarding Anthony Davis According to the tracking data, Anthony Davis didn't register a single made shot over Zion Williamson. He was 0 for 5. Again, there's, this is a little bit wonky, and I do believe he did score at one point over Zion. Um, and so sometimes it doesn't tag the right guy. But still, that's very, very good. Even if it's just one made bucket and he was 1 for 6. He did well against Anthony Davis. And I think one of the big reasons for that is is that Zion is one of the few guys that can guard some of these bigger, more athletic centers without leaving his feet. He doesn't need to get in the air because his jump is so quick and so fast that when he does realize you're making your move to try and score, he's then okay to do it. He doesn't need to kind of bite on things beforehand. And so he's able to guard Anthony Davis without leaving his feet, meaning he can stay with him when AD tries to move and score. And then he can get his arms up, and when he jumps, he elevates so high and so quickly that he can contest the shot more so than maybe other players can to see him not get bullied around by Anthony Davis really good AD tried to go into him a couple of times and Zion being a big dude not fat just a big strong like block of a man did not move whatsoever AD had a rough night overall in this one still did really good things and his defensive presence definitely out there was felt but he took 21 shots and scored 21 points. That's not efficient whatsoever. And that's mainly because Zion was defending him. Now, you saw Zion at times still shy away from LeBron James. The Lakers kind of hunted that matchup a little bit. And this is where you can see, oh yeah, he's not great at guarding more perimeter-oriented guys. LeBron went four for six against Zion Williamson for nine points. That's very good. Now, they weren't matched up a ton, but still you can see that that's not a matchup that Zion Williamson wants like any part of. At times he was like, yeah, no, I don't need, I don't want to do this. I don't need to do this. And kind of had a bit of an aversion to playing defense on LeBron. But everything else in this game was really good. This is a team that should give him trouble and he was fine with it. This is a team where he stood up to Anthony Davis defensively, a guy who we've seen. He went for 40 earlier in the season against this team. We know how good AD can be scoring the ball. And 
held him to an unbelievably inefficient night where it didn't feel like in this game that Anthony Davis helped the Lakers win. It was LeBron James doing work against Drew Holiday and scoring a season-high 40 for him. This was a very good Zion game, maybe not great for other players, but overall, you had to be unbelievably impressed with the rookie and what he was able to do in this matchup, which should be difficult. So we'll get to Nikhil Alexander-Walker in a minute, and then the Pelicans and how their defense is done against some of the top offenses. Should you feel good about that or bad about that? I'll let you guys know in a couple of minutes. But before we do that, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. Here Monday through Friday for you all when it's not Mardi Gras, uh, covering everything you want to know about this team. And it's going to be meaningful basketball until the end of the regular season. So it's going to be a lot of fun whether this team gets into the playoffs or not. And Zion on a nightly basis now is doing pretty amazing things. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave a five-star review with a comment. I've got a Rajon Rondo bobblehead that I found the other day. And if you leave a five-star review and a comment and send it to me on Twitter, my DMs are open. You can DM it to me at Nola Jake as well. I'll pick a winner and mail that to you or give it to you in person if you're going to be at one of the games soon. Um, so we'd encourage you all to do that. And then please tell a friend, let's get the word out. And you want your friends to know as much as you do and be as passionate as you are about this team. So locked on Pelicans, wherever you get your podcast from. So some news on the roster front, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is being assigned to the Pelicans G League affiliate, the Erie Bayhawks, uh, the 17th overall pick who's averaging 5.1 points per game, two rebounds and 1.8 assists in 12.2 minutes of action, playing 41 games for New Orleans. He's been in a, in a rough stretch recently and has basically fallen out of the rotation. He hasn't played in double digit minutes in 14 games since the game before Zion returned all the way back on January. January 20th, and his minutes have been very, very low, including one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine DNPs during those four, that 14 game stretch. So he's fallen out of the rotation, playing under three minutes per game basically during this time. And I think the Pelicans just want to get him a little bit of run. So he's going to go up to the probably, I would assume, very cold, eerie Pennsylvania city to play for the Bayhawks for a couple of games. I don't think this is going to be a very long stretch of him in the G League. I think it's more just to get him some run, get him some playing time instead of just sitting on the bench being rusty, not getting in on game action. And the Pelicans are taking a much more um, developmental approach with the G League this year. He will have assistant coaches going with him. um, And David Griffin has described them as kind of two-way coaches to really work with him and kind of keep him playing and practicing in the same way that he would with the parent club here in New Orleans with the Pelicans. So this is only going to be a good thing. You know, he wasn't going to play in this upcoming um, homestand against the Cavaliers and the Lakers and the couple games in the future. He's probably going to go get four, five, six, seven games in the G League, if that many, and then come right on back to keep practicing with the team, which is still very valuable because you are going against actual NBA guys at that point. So this isn't, you know, like anything wrong. It's just he's a rookie. He struggled. He's the 17th overall pick. We shouldn't have expected him to come in and light up the world like he did in summer league, like he did in preseason. And certainly when now the games really start to matter for New Orleans, that kind of developmental perspective they were taking on things with players, with the rotations, which was also aided by a lot of injuries to this roster that you don't have that luxury right now because you're in a playoff chase. So He's not going to play. So you may as well get him some game action when he can go out 
and shake off the rust and put up some good numbers. This probably also helps keep his confidence from bottoming out by being glued to the bench here in New Orleans. So overall, good move. I think this makes a lot of sense. He'll still receive that kind of development, that coaching that you want him to get while also getting in some game action. It'll be cool to see him with Jalen Chatham as well, who's been lighting it up for the Erie Bayhawks, one of the Pelicans' two-way guys. He looks very, very good. Uh, and I'm kind of excited to maybe pay a little bit more attention to the G League team uh, with Nikhil there so this is a good move good use of this realizing now is the right time while the pelicans are in this playoff chase and he wouldn't be playing and the rotation starting to tighten up a little bit more it's nice to see him play their nba players is what they want to be doing uh and hopefully it's this this time is valuable to him and worthwhile but i wouldn't expect to see him there very long and expect to see him back with the parent club the pelicans much sooner rather than later so finally in today's show, something I've wanted to look at for a little bit, and we're going to kind of look at the flip side of this tomorrow too. I want to look at how the Pelicans defense has done against some of the top offenses in the league so far this year. And I've taken a look at the numbers. I've watched some of the film with it too. And you can kind of get a perspective maybe of how good or bad this Pelicans team, this offense or this defense can be, because frankly, you want to see some at least good performances against top teams. The Pelicans have an easy schedule, so this may not matter nearly as much. And if they kind of just take care of business they have a very good chance of getting into the playoffs particularly the Memphis Grizzlies without Jaron Jackson Jr. and some of the injuries that they're dealing with on the season New Orleans does not have a very highly ranked defense it's 23rd in the league um, but since Zion Williamson has come back it has played overall better and we've kind of seen that a little bit with the Pelicans no longer being 23rd in the league and instead jumping up to the ninth best defense during that time. We'll take a look at all of this though um, when we kind of look at them against some of the top teams. So since Zion's been back January 22nd, ninth best defense, 23rd overall. So the top 10 teams in terms of offensive rating are the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Rockets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, Nuggets, Clippers, Miami Heat, Utah Jazz, and the Portland Trailblazers. I want to throw the Oklahoma City Thunder in there too because they're 11th. And then the Toronto Raptors, or not Toronto Raptors, San Antonio Spurs, who are 12th. So you can see there's kind of a mix of, of uh, teams and styles in there. And so against them, Pelicans have kind of not done nearly as good. Now, it's tough to read a ton into this because one sometimes the sample size is just one game and it might have been a game when the Pelicans didn't have Zion Williamson and they weren't playing kind of the similar better style of ball that we're seeing from them right now but against teams like the San Antonio Spurs yep they are one of the seventh best offense against the Pelicans so far this year Miami Heat they're in the top 10 too Toronto Raptors 10th now, the Milwaukee Bucks in the two games that they've played, two wins for Milwaukee, have played um, a little bit worse than what their offense normally is. Dallas Mavericks, still good against them. Utah Jazz, against them, uh, good against them. So the only team that really kind of stands out as the Pelicans really limiting and not letting them do what they want is the Portland Trailblazers, who they have completely owned all season long. Now... What's this mean? It just means that this isn't a team defensively that's great. That's, I think, what the numbers bear out. It kind of matches what we've seen from this team. They do enough, and their offense is kind of really building them up at times, though the defense has started to come around. And then when you adjust this, so it's only games since Zion returned, that's when things kind of get a little bit 
interesting. Now, some of the teams they've only played one time, so these numbers won't really change. Like the Denver Nuggets still have beaten up on New Orleans the one game since that, that they played since Zion's return. Trailblazers, not great. A team that is playing poorly against New Orleans offensively is the Houston Rockets. That, as we mentioned, is a top 10 offense. And I think that one's a little bit interesting because the Rockets play that kind of very isolation-heavy style of ball. And New Orleans has a lot of very good one-on-one defenders. Drew Holiday, very good one-on-one. Zion is very good one-on-one. And so they match up well with a team that's not running a ton of different actions. Basketball IQ has been an issue for this club all season long. So when you kind of slow the game down, make the game very simple, at least easier to read, not simple in terms of stopping it because those guys they have there in Houston are very good, but at least these guys can just play one-on-one defense and that seems to work for them and why they've held that offense in check a little bit. Boston Celtics are a team that also jumps to mind. They've been very good this year. They kind of fell apart against New Orleans, and New Orleans did really whatever they wanted with them, and that's in part due to forcing a lot of turnovers for Boston. So there's some good things there. But overall, good teams scoring against the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, and it hasn't looked particularly great. And that's okay. They don't necessarily need to beat a ton of these good teams, and they might even be able to keep it close like they did against the Los Angeles Lakers. But overall, the defense, even with Zion's return, hasn't been outstanding just yet, even though the numbers look good right there. But overall on the season, they've not been particularly sound on that side of the ball. We'll get another, you know, 25 games remaining, 20, 24 games now, to really kind of test their development. And at the end of the year, when we try and evaluate the defense, you're probably really just going to look at it since Zion's return and starting to trend in a much better direction. But I don't know if it's a large enough sample size to really make any definite conclusions just yet. But I feel confident in saying that, yeah, they'll probably be able to handle mediocre to bad offenses the rest of the way, and you shouldn't necessarily expect them to start losing to teams that are worse than them, which frankly is a really good thing because you have zero margin for error going forward right now, and you don't want to lose to bad teams because that might keep you out of the playoffs. Based on what we're seeing from the defense, I don't think that's going to be the case, so I feel much better about their chances to get into the playoffs as the eighth seed. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.